0: Well, we're in a series called Happy, and I want to talk to you from this thought today, safeguards, safeguards. If you're new with us, this is a, a study through the book of Philippians. So we've already looked at Philippians chapter 1. Uh, last week, we looked at Philippians chapter 2 and studied that together. Uh, today, we're going to look at Philippians chapter 3, and then Philippians chapter 4, we're going to spend two weeks on Philippians chapter 4. And so today, Philippians chapter 3, let's just dive into verse number 1. Philippians chapter 3, verse 1 says, Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord, rejoice in the Lord. Paul wrote, rejoice in the Lord while in a Roman jail cell chained to a Roman soldier 24 hours a day. And as we've learned throughout this series, Paul mentions the word rejoice or joy for 14 times in this short book to the Philippian church. And he doesn't really focus on happiness. He focuses on joy because happiness comes and goes depending on depending on our circumstances. So Paul doesn't just want us to be happy. He wants us to have something more powerful, joy, because joy is not based upon our circumstances. The joy comes from God, as we, we taught you through this series. And Paul, in the midst of trials in the midst of difficulties in his life he wrote rejoice in the Lord Paul had joy in his heart in spite of his circumstances and he goes on to write it is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again and it is a safeguard for you a safeguard come on all of our locations those joining us online everybody shout safeguard I want you to catch that. It is a safeguard for you. Paul says, I don't mind repeating the same things to you because it is a safeguard for your joy. It's a safeguard for your life, and we need to protect our joy. We we, we need to protect it. We need to safeguard our joy. A couple of weeks ago, our, our Indianapolis campus pastor uh, Chris Smith there at our People's Church location there, he, he texted me early one morning. It was around seven or so one morning, and he said, somebody broke into our home last night, and so I picked up the phone, and I, I called Chris and, and said, man, what, what happened? He said, well, last night, somebody broke in our home, and, and they came in, and they went through our downstairs and, and our our living room area, our kitchen dining room area, and they, they really took their time, Pastor, because they went through Jamie's purse and they took, the, left the credit cards, but they took the debit card and took cash out of her wallet. Went through my wallet, took cash out, took the debit card out, and they looked around for our computers and took computers out of our home. I mean, they just were rummaging through our, our downstairs. And I said, "Well, man, how did they get in? Do they break a window? How do they get?" in? He said, "Well, we park our cars outside and..." We looked and we noticed we left the garage door open. And they came through our garage door. And I said, well, Chris, man, is everybody okay? Your kid's okay? He said, yeah. He said, we all sleep upstairs. And they just went downstairs and, and, and just looking through all of our stuff downstairs. I said, how are you guys doing? you okay? He said, yeah. He said, we're okay, but we're, we're pretty shaken up. You know, Jamie's pretty shaken up. You know, it's kind of nerve-wracking knowing that somebody was in our house last night just going through all of our stuff while we're sleeping and, and stealing stuff from us. He said, you know, Chris is kind of funny, you know. He said, yeah, he said, man, we already got the police. They'll be here. They're on their way. And he said, you know, it's just, he said, Pastor, I'm, I'm already calling the alarm company. We don't have alarm. I'm get me an alarm on my house and a safeguard. This I'm going to put some safety in this house. You know, Chris was like, yeah. He said, I'm thinking about going to get me a gun. He said, I will shoot somebody. You know what I'm saying? You know, Chris is talking crazy, you know. I will, I will shoot somebody Come up at my house. He's like, man, I just got to protect my house. And I can't believe somebody broke in and, and stealing stuff from us, and, and friends, can I tell you, some of us have been spiritually sleeping, and there's a real enemy, and, and, and the Bible says this, that he prowls around. Seeking, looking for someone to devour. And some of you have left the garage door open spiritually. You've left the garage door open, and, and the enemy has come in, and he is stealing your joy. He is robbing your joy. Some of you today, your joy is not safeguarded. If you're honest with yourself, you're not walking around in life with a lot of joy. You're really pessimistic. You're, you're really a negative person, and you don't have the joy of the Lord in your heart. You actually, actually profess you're a Christ follower, but the enemy has come in through the garage door, and he has stole your joy. And what Paul does in the book of Philippians, in chapter number three, Paul gives us four safeguards for our joy, four safeguards for your joy. He says, I'm writing the same things to you because it is a safeguard for you and I want to teach you today how to safeguard your joy, how to protect your joy, that you can maintain the joy of the Lord. Come on, how I many know we need to co- close that garage door today, so that we can keep the joy of the Lord? Number one is this. Number one is this. You need the right perspective. The right perspective. Notice what he says in Philippians chapter three, and it goes on to say in verse two. He says, watch out for those dogs, those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. Paul says that that people are, are that, that who, who say that the way that your sins are forgiven is by being circumcised. He said, hey, they're, they're dogs. They say the way you can be right with God and your sins are forgiven is you have to be circumcised. The old covenant have be circumcised on the eight days. Paul says, watch out for those dogs. Paul says, who let them dogs out? Who let them dogs out? Saying you gotta be circumcised to be right with God. Verse 3, he goes on to say, For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by His Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, Though I myself have reasons for such confidence, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. And Paul is referring to these Judaizers. That's what they were called, the Judaizers. They they believed that people had to be circumcised according to the law of Moses to be made right with God. That's why Paul calls them mutilators Of the flesh. Then, even though Jesus had established a new covenant, we're no longer under the old covenant. He established a new covenant by dying on the cross for our sins and he rose again on the third day. The Judaizers were not putting their faith and trust in Jesus. They were putting their confidence in the flesh. They were putting their their, their confidence in circumcision. They were trusting the flesh. And, And today, in our world, people are still putting their confidence in the flesh rather than in Jesus Christ. You find people trusting their flesh, their good works for salvation instead of trusting Jesus. You you find people putting their confidence in their education rather than God's Word. They, 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 They trust their money more than they trust God's provision. They trust their strength more than they trust God's strength. Christians who trust in the flesh, Christians who put their confidence in the flesh. Can I tell you what happens? They leave the garage door open, and the enemy comes in, and he will steal your joy. And so many people, even Christ followers, Christians are putting their trust in the flesh, their confidence in the flesh. We we live in a a a flesh driven, a self driven, self-image driven culture. Just just driven by our flesh. I mean, many people are just trusting their, their flesh. You know, we like to take care of this dirt. I'm not talking derogatory to you. The Bible says you're made from dirt. All right, so that's what yeah. We we love don't we love it? We to take care of all this dirt, and we like to educate this dirt, you know, get degrees for this dirt, and, and I, I, I'm, a, I'm an advocate for education, believe in education, but if you're not careful, you will find yourself putting your confidence in your flesh, your educated flesh, and not in God. We, we, we love to try to take care of this flesh. Come on, how many of you were like me growing up? When you were growing up, how many of you hated to take baths? I hated it as a kid. Come on. Twice a week was enough for me. Do you hear what I'm saying? They got t- Herbert Jr., take a bath. I don't want to take no bath. You know, wasn't no shower. We, in our home, we have a shower. You know what I mean? Wasn't no shower back It was a bath. Run your bath water, you know? And, and you know how it is. Mama would say, well, if you don't get in that bathtub. And, he said, and you, you know, my brother or sister bathed before me. Just, you know, I'm a germaphobe. I'm not getting in their bath water, you know? It's a long process. You know what I'm saying? I got to drain out the water, and I'm getting them, I'm getting them, them that brown ring, or I'm washing that off. I am not getting in that bathtub yet. You know, it's a process. I don't want to take no bath. Come on, how many of you now, we take a shower every day? Come on, some of you take a shower twice a day. I won't even ask who does it three times a day. You have issues. But we love to take care of this. Flesh, come on, we have beauty products, all kind of beauty products for our hair and for our face and for our skin and for our eyes. We have vitamins and gems to go work out in. We we love to take care of this flesh. People spend more, way more money on the outward than they do on their inward, on their their soul. And our world keeps us flesh-driven. I mean, especially with social media. I mean, there's Instagram and Snapchat and Twitter, and we just, we live in a culture just image-driven, and, and most of us have a, a phone that has a camera on it, and these are nice cameras. It takes good pictures, and I mean, we just, we're just confidence in the flesh. You know, we got our, our cameras and our pictures. Yeah, I got my little selfie stick, and oh, yeah. You know, and how many know what your selfie stick don't don't take it low? It makes you look fat. You know that, don't you? Uh huh. I know. I see you. Uh huh. I know y'all been posting. <laughs> Hi, makes you look skinny. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. We love yeah, image. There's filters on them now. You know, there's filters. I know you know there's filters on Instagram. You can change how you actually look. You know what I mean? People like to ha- hashtag no filter. You're lying. Filter. That's what that is. <laughs> filter. We love, we just image driven. Come on. Suck in our stomach. Come on. Some of us take eight pictures. Just eight. Well, That's not good. Well, come on. We're going to take another one. Come on. But That's not good. Take, let's take another one. Let me, but let's take another one. Come on. That wasn't good. Yeah. Just, we're just so, so, so self-driven. Come on, how many do the duck lips? i will seen you with duck lips. <laughs> Your half-saved look. You got it going on, you know what I mean? We, we, just, we just can so be so driven by our flesh, selfie and we find ourselves putting confidence in our flesh rather than in God, and whenever you do that, you're leaving the garage door open and the enemy is still in your joy because you find yourself trusting your flesh more than you're trusting God, trusting your education more than you're trusting God. You're leaning to your own understanding instead of leading to God and his word. And friends, whenever you find yourself leading to your own understanding, trusting your flesh, putting confidence in your flesh, your joy will decrease in not increase you're leaving the garage door open there's a second safeguard that we see here first you have to have the right perspective no confidence in the flesh confidence in god number two the right passion the right passion to safeguard our joy we need the right passion philippians chapter 3 verse 7 says but who but whatever were gains to me i now consider loss for the sake of christ what is more important, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing, of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage. Paul says, all of my accomplishments, all of my accolades, all of my awards, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Paul says nothing compares to knowing Jesus Christ. His greatest passion was to know God, know God. And that word know is is a rather interesting word in in the Greek. That word know means it's referring to the intimacy of like a husband and wife relationship that you experience in a marriage relationship. In a great marriage, the couple, they truly know one another my my wife, Tiffany, she knows me better than any other person. She really knows me. I know her better than any other person on this planet. We, we know each other and Paul Paul is saying I know Christ and he isn't talking about knowing about Christ he's but 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 actually knowing Christ personally there's a difference between knowing about a person and actually knowing them personally you can know a lot of facts about a person you can know a lot of stats about a person and not know them personally personally. And Paul says, I know Christ. I I know him personally. I I have an intimate relationship with Christ. I know him. He says, not not only do I know him, he says, I want to know him more and more and more. Notice what he goes on to say in Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 10. He says, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. Paul had the right passion. Question, what are you passionate about? Come on, just, just think about that for a moment. Not, not what do you say you're passionate about because you're in church right now. But, but what are you really passionate about? Your level of passion for Christ will determine your level of joy. Your level of passion for Christ will determine your level of joy. And if you're more passionate about people or work or money or hobbies or gadgets than you are about knowing Christ, friends, I tell you, your joy is not safe. Your joy is not safe. He says, yes, he goes on to say, to know the power of of his resurrection, the power. See, when you get to know Christ, you know His power. You you know His power to live a new life. You you know His power to overcome temptation. You you know His power uh, to, to to help you win a lost person to Christ. You know His His miracle working power to bring hope and healing to a broken world. You know His power. The right passion always leads to power. So I want to know Christ and to know the power of his resurrection. He goes on to say this, and participation in his sufferings. Sufferings. Becoming like him in his death. You see, when you know Christ, you're willing to suffer for him, to know him in the participation and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. You'll suffer for him when you know him. There was a little 10-year girl in... The Philippines, and you find this story in the book, The Voice of the Martyrs, a book on people who were martyred for Christ. And this little 10 year old girl in the Philippines, she was going up to this church, and there was a missionary there, and, and she would not go inside the church because, because her father forbid her to go inside the church. She said, Do not you stay away from those Christians? She, the, the, the village was hostile towards Christians and said, you stay away from those Christians. Do not go inside that church. Do not talk to those people. So she would not go inside, but, but she would actually just stand outside the door and watch those Christians worship God and praise God. And She saw their happiness and how happy they seemed, how much joy they, they had. And though she wanted to go inside, she didn't because she knew her father said, don't go in there. And the missionary would just pray for this little girl, would see that little 10-year-old girl and pray, pray for her to come to know Jesus, her Lord, and her Savior, and just prayed, prayed, prayed. And, and one day, this, this little little girl decided, I'm going to go inside that church. And she went inside the church, and, and the missionary just sat there and talked to that little 10-year-old girl, shared Jesus with her. And how he's the savior of the world and died on the cross and wants to forgive you of your sins and give you a new life. And that little 10-year-old girl that day in that church gave her heart and her life to Jesus Christ. And that missionary had a little white dress and gave it to that, that little girl and said, this white dress represents how your sins have been washed away, and you're brand new. You're clean now in God's sight. All your sins have been forgiven. That little girl was ecstatic. She, she left with her little white, clean dress, just ecstatic about serving the Lord. And, and it was the next day or two, they were having another church service, and as they were worshiping the Lord, the missionary noticed that little girl was not there. And she was surprised. She thought, I thought that little girl would be back. She gave her heart to Christ. She was so excited about the dress. She just expected the little girl to be there. And and when she didn't see her there, she was concerned. And so she said, you know what? I'm going to go just make sure the little girl's okay. And she left and went to that little girl's village. And she got close to the village. She, She saw this little girl lying on the ground, bleeding to death. That little dress was dirty and filled with blood, ripped and torn. You see, that little girl's father heard that she accepted Jesus and gave her life to Jesus. And in a drunken rage, he beat her, ripped her dress, kicked her. He beat her so bad, left her on the road to die. And that missionary grabbed that little girl unconscious and carried her to the church. Because at the church, there was a doctor there, and the doctor took off the dress, began to clean that little dirty girl up, and laid that bloody, dirty dress to the side and got that little girl clean. And he said, you know what? There's, there's not much hope for this little girl. She's gonna die. Her, her injuries are just too severe. And by the grace of God, that little girl woke up. And, and she began to regain consciousness, and so weak and so feeble. She just said to, to the missionary, would you please hand me the dress? And, and the missionary said, listen, I, you're all cleaned up. You, you don't want that dress. It is full of blood. It's soaked in blood. It's dirty. It's ripped. I, I don't want to give you that dress. And, and the little girl just persisted. She's about to die. She said, the little girl just persisted. Please give me that dress. She said, I just want Jesus to know that I was willing to bleed for him. I just wonder, are you willing to bleed for him? I just wonder, do you know him in such a way that at your workplace you would actually stand up for him? I just wonder in our world today, do you know him in such a way that you would be willing to be a martyr for him, you'd give your life for him, you'd bleed for him, you'd be persecuted for him? Do you know him in such a way that you would say, Jesus, I'm willing not only to know your power, but I'm willing to suffer for you? He says, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participate in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, I know God in such a way, I'm willing to suffer for him, and when when you know him, when you have that kind of passion for God, you can be in a jail cell chained to a Roman soldier, but you'll still right rejoice in the Lord always because I got the right passion, and that's to know Jesus and to know him better. That's a safeguard for your joy. Number three is this. There's a third safeguard, and that's the right path. The right path. Notice in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12, it says, Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, and it gives us the right path, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the prize to win the, to, 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 toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And friends, I can tell you a surefire way on how to lose your joy. Live life backwards. I'll tell you how to lose your joy, just focus on the past. Focus on all of your mistakes. Focus on all your failures. Focus on all your sins. Focus on all your mess-ups. Can I tell you, you focus on your past, the the garage door has been open, and the enemy is prowling around, seeking whom he may devour. And some of you today are stuck in the past you're living life in the rearview mirror. There's a windshield in front of you. There's a huge future that God has for you, and all you can focus on is the rearview mirror and you're looking backwards and backwards and backwards and let me tell you, if you keep looking backwards soon you'll be going that way. Some of you are there right now. You've been looking backwards so long, you find your life going backwards. Your marriage is going backwards. Your parenting's going backwards. Your relationship with your friends, with your boyfriend, with your girlfriend, it's going backwards. You look at your career, it's, it's going backwards because you're focused on the past. Some of you today, you look at your emotional and mental health from a year ago or two years ago, it, it's, it's going backwards. Because you have been stuck in the past. You've been paralyzed by the past. And Paul said this, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me. And Paul had a past. He was a murderer. He authorized the killing of Christians. He persecuted the church of Jesus Christ. He hated Jesus. He hated the church. Paul had a past. And he said, you know what I had to learn to do to have joy, to maintain the joy of the Lord? I had to forget the past. I had to let go of the past, and I know what some of you are thinking, I know that was good for Paul, but you don't understand what I've done. You don't understand my past. You don't understand what I've been through. You don't understand how horrible my my past was, Pastor. You you have no idea how how just just terrible it has been. I've got a horrible past, and there's just no way I can get past it. And friends, hear me today. If that's you, you're stuck in the past. You're paralyzed by the past. I want you to understand this. What God did in the past is more important than what you did in the past you hear me today, hear your pastor, what God did in the past is more important than what you did in the past. And in the past, God sent his only son and Jesus in the past, he hung, bled and died on the cross of Calvary to give you forgiveness, to give you hope, to to forgive you, to send grace and mercy your way. And not just to forgive you, but what Jesus did in the past was for your healing was to restore your life was to give you a hope and a future and friends would you stop making your past more powerful than Jesus's past what he did for you on the cross is way more powerful than what you have done in your past forget the past let go of the past listen when you are in Jesus Christ your past is not your potential In Jesus Christ, your past is not your potential. No matter what you've done in the past, there is grace, there is mercy, and you've got to learn to forget the past. If you keep living in the past, you're going to get stuck. You're not going to have the joy of the Lord. The garage door is wide open. And Paul says, what I do, forgetting the past, I'm focused. I love the word he uses. He says, I'm straining. And some of you need to strain toward what's ahead. You need to strain. You need to press towards what is ahead. You don't have any joy. You're paralyzed by the past, and the enemy is coming, and he is stealing your joy, and you got to get focused on the future. The past is the past. You can't do anything about it except receive God's grace and move forward. Come on, at all of our locations, everybody just say to me right now, just say, that's good preaching right there, Pastor. Oh, yes, you better move on. You better move on past the past. You better quit getting stuck in the past. Strain, move forward, press forward to what God has for you. Number four is this. There's a, a fourth point Paul, Paul gives us on how to safeguard our joy, and that is the right place. you got to be focused on the right place. Notice this in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 11. He says, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Paul said, there's a resurrection from the dead. Paul had joy because he didn't live life just focused on the here and now. He lived life with heaven on his mind. And hear me, if you're going to live with joy, I mean, in this crazy, sin-sick, evil, wicked world, listen, I know what's going on. I know about the killings. Not just in America, I know what just happened this past week in Germany. And, and the hatred, and racism, and sexual perversion, and all the lying and and cheating and stealing and pride. And, and you look around you, and if you get focused on the here and now, it'll rob you of your joy. You have to focus on the right place, and that's heaven. Friends, can I tell you, this world is not our home. We are just passing through. As Christ followers, uh, there's a home awaiting, for, awaiting us in heaven. Heaven is our home. Here's what Paul goes on to say in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 18. He says, For as I have often told you, Before And now, tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. How do people live as an enemy of the cross of Christ? Notice what he says. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is their shame. He says their mind is set on earthly things. They're an enemy of the cross because their mind is set on earthly things. And some of you have left the garage door open because your mind is set on earthly things. The enemy is stealing your joy because you're just living as though this earth is it. You're, You're so focused on the here and now. Every waking moment, you're consumed with just the here and now. And he goes on to say in verse 20, but our citizenship, our residence, our our home, and all of you, if I asked you your address right now, you could you could just shout out your address, you could give me the zip code. Some of you could even tell me a, a childhood home you grew up in and give me the exact address. I could tell you the childhood I grew up in, the exact address of the home I grew up in as a as a kid. And and you you know your residence here on earth, but but Paul says, No, 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 no. Understand this: our citizenship, our home, our residence is in heaven, and we are eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I tell you, friends, the Bible says Jesus is coming back for us, his children, his church. And verse 21 says, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that, that they will be like his glorious body. Paul says, you know what? I could stay depressed if I'm sitting in this jail cell changing this Roman soldier. My body is 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 dying. It's wasting away year by year. I'm getting a little older and more, more kinks in my body, but he says, this body is not it. He says, I'm looking for to a glorious body, a heavenly body that'll be like my Savior. I'm not just living life for the here and now. I'm focused on heaven. And friends, can I tell you today, there really is a heaven where there will be no more sickness and no more pain and no more murder and no more hatred and no more rape, no more lying, no more cheating. Friends, we're going to spend forever and ever in God's presence. And Jesus is getting heaven ready for you right now right now. Here's what the Scripture says in John chapter 14, verse 1. You got to get focused on the right place. Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. And some of you have a troubled heart today because you're focused on this earth. That's your whole focus. You're, you're oh, I don't have any joy. Look, at all going on. Look at all the murder and all the wickedness and all the evil and all the hatred. You have no joy. And Jesus said, no, no. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. He goes on to say, you believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you. Friends, Jesus is in heaven right now preparing a place for you. He's got a place for you. You like pink walls? He's hooking you up right now, pink walls. The green wall, he's hooking you up. I was going to have a picture of the thunder on my wall. I changed my mind. Amen. (laughs) What, What I'm teaching you from God's word is that he's preparing a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, he says, I will come back. It's the hope of the church. I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am in heaven. He's preparing a place for us, and he's coming back. Jesus is coming again. I said, he's coming again. I said, this is not it. Quit focusing just on this earth. This is not it. There's a home in heaven and your Savior is coming again for us that we will spend eternity in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a Savior from there. And friends, no matter if you're going through the most difficult trial in your life, you may be like the Apostle Paul trying to write a letter, chained to a Roman, so give me some more chain. But I tell you what I have, I've got joy. Rejoice in the Lord always, and I'll say it again, rejoice, because this earth is not my home. This is not it. I am focused on the right place. Heaven is my home, and it fills my heart with joy. Four safeguards for your joy.